Podcasting from Astrolab Studios, this is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended. This week, Space Above and Beyond, Episodes 8 and 9. The dim glow falling upon the dried blood of Union Brothers in the Manassas Eve still guides our path. Constellations hidden by fierce Pacific storms in the Bataan sky remain obscured luck, by guys. rain. The stars, a billion for every life laid down in Vietnam, still shine on us and will guide those who follow. What dead guy wrote that? I wrote it. Welcome to Continuum Drag. The podcast is recording in the morning for a change. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to notice the difference of us recording in the morning. Oh, I'll be a lot sleepier. Yeah, that's true. I should say, I did want to mention, I, I don't know if it was the last episode or the episode before that, you started with uh, the Will Smiths uh, getting chiggy with it, Yeah, is what you did, and I booed you, and after some some thought and some time away... I have to apologize. I now support that. <laughs> no, that's pretty good. Getting chiggy with it. So I don't know why I booed you. It's just my it's just my first reaction to things. But but now I'm supportive of it. So oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you. Well, I'll do more musical interludes. Yeah, yeah. Please do. If if they, if they have puns in them. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, I'll keep my eye out. Yeah. So I think you've prepared a segment for us this week, right? Yeah, uh, we are going to talk about uh, the cast and their careers basically sounds good um all right so we'll go through these and again there's nothing terribly remarkable in this so this might go faster than than it even should but we'll go through just the main cast yeah. um, that were on the show uh we'll start with our intrepid leader lieutenant nathan west no everyone's, he's not the leader <laughs> everyone's favorite um he's played by and I, I may pronounce these names wrong but morgan weiser or weezer probably yeah, weiser. It's probably weezer after the band yeah. Anyway, uh, Morgan Weiser, Weezer. His last credit's actually 2010, so I don't think he's acting anymore. He sort of did a lot of one-offs on things like X-Files, Nash Bridges, Charmed, Alias. And his weird little trivia thing is he's the son of Norbert Weiser, who is a German actor. Who And, and then so I looked at his roles, and almost all the roles, he just plays like like a German diplomat. <laughs> so like but he's still acting his dad's still acting hey good good gig if you can get it right real character actor yeah it's like he just plays angry germans anyways that's his dad who i guess is more famous than him anyways lieutenant shane vanson who's played by Kristen cloak as we mentioned uh she's married to glenn morgan and they have since 1998 have four children together she still sort of acts uh it's, she actually probably acts more than uh, uh old uh, old morgan there um, but she's been in things like, surprisingly, Millennium, Final Destination, um, all of uh, Glenn Morgan's things. And uh, she was also recently in Lady Bird, but I don't remember who she was in that. Oh, really? Yeah. It's in the credits, anyways. Well, let's go back and watch it again. And uh, But I have a little fun fact to her. In 1997, she was named number nine on Sci-Fi's Sexy 50. <laughs> oh, wh what year was that? 1997. Oh, so, but the show was over in 96, right? She was still in there. Well, she she had dropped in rankings. She Maybe she was higher than nine. Oh, back previous. in 94? Yeah, previously. 95? Whenever this show came out. We go on to Lieutenant Cooper Hawks, played by Rodney Rowland. 
or Roland. He's another actor who sort of has been doing quite a lot of stuff. Oh, here, here's one thing. He's been in NCIS Los Angeles, CSI Miami, and CSI Crime Scene Investigation. So I don't know if he's playing just dead bodies in all those, but he but he's in all of all of those investigative shows. It's like the German dad. He's just really good at that yeah, one thing. Yeah, exactly. He also is in a bunch of stuff like Veronica Mars and the OC. Um, and his most recent credit is Beacon Hill. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. It's like a detective movie. He's starring in it, though. Oh, that's Be- pretty good. Beacon Hill. You'd write a movie called Beacon Hill, but no, Detective. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the most evocative title ever. I hey, mean, how, about, how about like Death on Beacon Hill? Oh, that's better, right? What was that one about a doctor? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it was like uh, Death. Death is calling, or what was it? Ugh, oh, Beacon wow. Hill is calling. Beacon I don't Hill know. is calling. Lieutenant Paul Wong was played by jo- Joel De La Fuente. Oh jeez, just like I did last it again. week. I did it again. <laughs> Lieutenant Paul Wang. Uh, sorry, Jane. Lieutenant Paul <laughs> Wang is Joel De La Fuente. Here's here's what I really enjoyed about his credits. He his first credit was in the early '90s, and he was playing a character named Quan Kim Thang, and and they were in three ABC after school specials, which are just called ABC after school specials. So I don't know what they were. I think they're just like you know don't do drugs sort of thing. But he played Quan Kim Thang in all of them. Hmm. He's been very steady. He's worked in ER. He had a big stint in All My Children. He's been in Law and Order, uh, Hemlock Grove, and currently he's uh, he's a recurring character in The Man in the High Castle, and oh, cool. a new show called Manifest, which I don't know what that is. I'm not sure either. I he's one of the guys I've noticed is a little more active on Twitter. Mm. Uh, him and the woman who plays Vanson, um, but he seems to have a big following because uh, he's one of those few visible Filipino actors. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are like big fans of his. Anyways, he's 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 works pretty steady. Cool. Um, Lieutenant Vanessa Damphouse is played by Lanny Chapman, and uh, oh, she, here's maybe you remember this because I saw this credit. She played Ensign Serial Rager or Rager in in like at least four episodes of Star Trek. So she's like some sort of ensign that just kept being. In a show, I don't know if she just happened to be like one of the people that sat beside Data at the front of the ship. Oh, I bet you that's what it is. Yeah, but she played it, and she has like like four or five credits of her playing that that ensign. I'm gonna go watch. Yeah, and uh, she's been in a bunch of stuff like Judge Naming Grey's Anatomy. I actually remembered her most from the one episode of Seinfeld where she's the maid that George wants to rub oil all over his bald head. <laughs> Anyways, I saw the first time I saw her, I was like, oh, it's that maid from that one episode of Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> And she's uh, she's she actually does it seems to do a lot of uh, voice work now. Although I noticed she does voice work in movies that aren't like cartoons. Like she had voice work in Jennifer's Body and The Secret Life of Bees. Oh, interesting. Right. So I don't know. Like radio announcer. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, she has a bunch of crowds like that. Um, and then right now she's on F is for Family, which is a cartoon. Oh, that is. Yeah. Netflix, right? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> not now. <laughs> um lieutenant colonel tyrus cassius tc mcqueen that's his full name good good job yeah i barely got through that he's been acting since 1984 still acting um he's been in everything from doogie hauser to la law walker texas ranger jag um he played a long time on 24 as bill buchanan i, did, I didn't see it I don't maybe know one of the presidents i don't know he's been in like twin peaks uh revenge He's working on a whole bunch of stuff now. I think he had like five or six credits for 2018. But my favorite being Jig Harbor. 
<laughs> what is that from? I don't know. It's just a new show called Jig Harbor. Oh, that's what it's called. That's yeah, his yeah. character's name was. No, 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 Jig no, Harbor. no, no. The show's Jig Harbor. I'm assuming it's a harbor where people do jigs. Mm, very cool. Yeah. I, I I recognized his face as soon as the show started, so I knew he was one of those guys who's in everything. Yeah. Well, him and the next person we're going to talk about, which is Tucker Smallwood, both of them are just those serious faces that you see on TV, especially Tar- Tucker Smallwood, who played uh, Commodore Ross. Yeah, Commodore Ross. He's like your go-to guy for people of authority. He like, he's got like 85 generals and Absolutely. principals and like just bureaucrats. That's He's just got one of those faces that look like he, you know, he doesn't take any flack, that sort of thing. And so that's all his credits. Um, And he's been working on a long time too. He was in Wings, Babylon 5, Frasier, Malcolm in the Middle, Jake and the Fat Man. Remember Jake and the Fat Man? I do. And, uh, oh, here's another one. You watched Star Trek Enterprise, right? Because I never really did. No, I never did. Oh, well, anyways, he played Zindi Primate Counselor in in, oh. in, in a several episodes of Star Trek Enterprise. Zindi Primate Counselor. Primate? Yeah. I don't know what that means. Anyways, for anyone who watches Star Trek Enterprise, I don't know if he's like a... Big deal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't he's know. a big deal in that show. I don't know. Um, and then r- right now he's playing Father Moni in Loners. Everything, everything said like that. Loners. Jig Harbor. Is that about a library and they're trying to get the books back? That's right. Yeah, it's L-O-A-N-E-R-S. No, yeah. it's Loners. L-O-N-E-R-S. Oh. Well, I don't. I want to watch the library show. Yeah. How many? There's not enough library movies, right? Yeah. You guys get on those library movies. Dewey Decimal System. Murder at the Dewey Decimal. Yeah. That's there. You go. Murder at the Dewey. That sounds like a um a Hardy Boys book though. Yeah. Doesn't it? When are they coming back? <laughs> yeah. They've, they've never gone away, Luke. <laughs> so should, should we get into this? Eight and nine? Let's do it. Episode eight, Hostile Visit. During a space battle, a Chig spaceship is damaged but not destroyed and left floating in space. McQueen proposes they use the damaged ship as a Trojan horse to attack the enemy homeworld. That summary was courtesy of Gito463. Oh, I was hoping it was going to be the Swede. Ah, no Swede this week. No. He was off to do other things. He was, he was off to write another review on IMDb. He's a very busy man. Yeah. Or, or woman. woman. <laughs> Just like last week. W- women can do anything. They can even be, they can they can be even mobsters. Write, they can even write reviews on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... This episode starts on a very did you did you notice this a very Star Wars esque space battle? Yeah, like it looks just like pushing in on what are they called? The, their battle cruisers, mm-hmm. the big long ones, and all the like Tie fighters are flying the little ones flying over it. But that's what it's like. It's the Saratoga and the Chigs are like shooting it up. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good, pretty good little sequence. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was one of the better sequences they've done for a space battle. And for the first time, we see the Saratoga's bridge. Was that the first time we saw the bridge? I don't think we've ever gone to the bridge of the Saratoga before. No, you know what? I'm going to disagree. This is the second time because I noticed the same guy. There was the same guy I, I don't, running ops. I don't know what he was. But like with Commodore Ross in, in the... Oh. Right? This is the yeah. second time. Oh, it happened one other episode really, really briefly because it was this... I noticed I was like, oh, it's the same guy at, at ops. Or I don't know what you call it. The controls of a ship. Mm. So I, I disagree. Well, I stand corrected. This I thought this was the first time we were here, but unless we can- unless I'm wrong and it's two times in this episode, it could be. I mean, don't trust me. <laughs> uh, but we spend a lot of time actually on the bridge. We almost spend all of our time there, which is very strange considering Commodore Ross has been such a minor character. And now he really has, huh? Now he's like big time main character. <laughs> a- am I wrong, Luke? I'm just trying to trying to remember going back. 
is it one part does he play a guitar with no shirt on in this, in this episode absolutely okay. i remember the episode now <laughs> but yeah they're in this battle there are those little red what are they called the red bandits the little chig ships that are red yeah. are flying around and they destroy all of them but one they like damage and it's sort of floating off the side of the port yeah uh, Commodore Ross wants to destroy it, but McQueen talks him in, like the uh, summary said, into capturing it. It'll be the first time they've captured an enemy ship during the war. Now, I actually thought at first, and I must have missed something, I thought the whole conflict originally was that there was a ship coming towards them but not attacking, and that's why they were so nervous because they didn't know what to do. But it was that they had damaged the ship, right? It was. They so had- why were they so nervous then of bringing it in? They knew it couldn't do anything. I think what it was is they were nervous because they did they never disabled one before they were worried it was going to get rebooted or whatever and attack them and uh in that opening sequence there was a brief power loss so there's a moment when they were completely vulnerable right and that ship was just floating in front of them Uh, but in the end the the thing was it was damaged so it was the first time they could capture something right i was kind of hoping that the ship would be oozing a little bit i know uh but don't worry because we send the uh 58th into this damaged ship mm-hmm. they breach the hall and they get to enter the ship actually and just a quick side note before they do that they're getting briefed on uh their i don't know what would you call it entering the ship they're mm-hmm. gonna breach the ship and get inside of it and <laughs> there's a really brief scene where the 58's like wang your shirt stinks and he's like yeah i never changed this shirt it's lucky I don't even remember. Oh, really? He's yeah. wearing, I think it's the Bears. He's wearing some oh, sports Oh, yeah, shirt. yeah, you're right, yeah. And they're all... It's, yeah, he's, he's a big Chicago sports fan. Yeah, they're all complaining he hasn't changed his shirt in weeks, and he's just like, I never changed his shirt, it's lucky. And it really doesn't come up again, but it's just weird that he's just been wearing this stinky shirt they for have, they have, weeks. I was kind of hoping back when uh, we had the Raymond T. Butts episode, because I still think that was the episode with the best dialogue and for my opinion, the best writing in the show. And they still kind of get a little lines out now and then that you go, oh, that's pretty funny or that's a good line. But more often than not, they have a weird tendency in the show to just have throwaway lines that are literally just throwaway lines. Like they'll, like stuff like that. They'll have a character that you think it's adding something to the character, but it's not really. And it just kind of spends, take, just takes up some time. It's very weird. I mean, it's a setup for a one-liner later, but we'll get to that. Anyway. Yeah, there's this brief thing with Stinky Shirt, but this is sort of when they're being briefed on their mission. Then they're sent off to breach the ship, um, and there's this little moment, I don't know if you caught this, but as they're about to get on the ship, we kind of get a sense of where they are in this war. It's kind of the first time I think I've really understood how it's going. Maybe not, they kind of tease it a little bit, but some tech, some faceless tech as they're walking toward the ship that's going to bring them to the chig ship the faceless text like oh i hope we are able to capture that ship because uh they've been kicking our butts and we need to learn something but west gets really mad at him for like i guess stating the obvious he like flies off the handle at the guy i actually i really like that guy because he was just someone on the side like just the peanut gallery just making a sarcastic comment he's like yeah guys go why don't you go do something for once and I was like, I've never seen this guy before. He's like an, I don't know what he is. He's like a mechanic or something, but he was just giving it to them. And West just reacted to a bully in the exact way you're not supposed to. He just got right in his face. Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, well, you know, I lost my girlfriend. <laughs> First of two times he flies off the handle this yeah. episode. So they head out to the ship and land and I guess breach the hall. Like they like blow it up and go inside the ship. And, uh, 
it's very gooey in that show. And, and I wrote down the line that uh, Wang Wang said. It reminds me of my high school cafeteria. Oh, my God. That's his line. Um, yeah. Well, the ship's kind of interesting because we kind of get to learn a bit about how uh, ships work. Mm-hmm. The, the chick yeah, ships we do. Works. They're like organic. You know what it reminded me of a little bit? This And this is going to be for a very small amount of people. Do you remember Flight of the Navigator? Yeah, of course. The way they were trying to figure out how to operate it reminded me a little bit of, of Flight of the Navigator. Of like, put your hand here and then kind of move it. Um, but I do want to say, when they get on the ship, there's still at least one chick, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Um, and maybe I'm wrong, but isn't this the first time we've actually seen a chick in quite a while? We, we've seen their ships and we've seen them sort of off in the distance. Of, but like actually in in the same you know area as right. people i have don't i can't remember last time i saw a jig i think you're right it's been a while since they fought one like face to face and they dispose of this one pretty quick yeah i think one one of the teams stabs him to death yeah and that was like it yeah although i have a question because uh hawks wants to see what one looks like so he pulls his mask off but its face is is that what its face looks like or was it melted i think and Let's remember this because we're going to talk about this in the next episode. The chigs just melt when they die. Right. And because we've seen it one other time or what's her face. Remember, Dampoos killed it with water. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> um, and then it died and it sort of oozed out. So I think they have like their armor sort of like an exoskeleton and inside they just ooze out. And I think it's the same thing. They killed the guy and when they took the helmet off, there was just ooze left because it didn't look like any sort of structure of a face at yeah, all. Yeah, I thought we were finding this who they looked like and when it pulled off, it was like a brief like yeah. cut to just like goo. And I'm like, ah, is don't, that its face? Don't worry, that'll be on Instagram, 100%. <laughs> but yeah, they're now captured this ship. It's somewhat organic. Like, they keep talking about how maybe it's a life form or an organism. Yeah, they sort of realize that the ship might, I don't know if it has sentience, but that it's alive in some way and that there's a connection between the chigs and their ship and how they fly it. It, right. it, it. it works in a much more organic way than pushing buttons. Yeah. I mean, one of the ways it operates is there's like, I don't know. How or, to put or, it. Orifices. Orifices in the walls that you stick your arms into to run it. And, uh, Didn't they make, I'm sure they made some bad, uh, bad jokes. I can't remember though. Yeah. Wang makes some bad jokes because uh, they're sticking their hands in there and they're like, oh, you put your arms into navigate. And Wang's like, you better pray it's just your arms. Yeah. Because he wants to, Yeah, you know, he's hoping. Yeah. So if he was on, remember, remember Riverworld? <laughs> yeah. Remember when they came up to that big obelisk? Yeah. And he saw those little, like, food containers? He just stuck his dick in it. <laughs> he's that's like that's Wang. Ca- that's classic Wang. Like the caveman. Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah Wang is the caveman of this group. <laughs> by, by the way, now that we know his name's Wang, we can make a, a lot of uh, penis-related jokes. It's true. It doesn't We've work been with missing Wong. Out. It doesn't work with Wong at all. We've been missing out for episodes. Yeah, yeah, we'll catch up. Now that they have this ship, they've kind of brought it back. But uh, surprise, guess who's waiting on the Saratoga for the ship? Yeah, it's old Aerotech. Big 90s Conspiracies is back. Yeah, Sewell, but from from Farthest Man from the Earth, I believe, was the episode. Was that his, what's his name? Sewell, 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 Sewell. Hmm. I'll just keep pronouncing yeah, it. Yeah, no, to keep going. I, I want to hear more. Um, he shows up, and basically the military's already given him control over the Chig ship. But after a couple of uh, of these after-hours scenes where McQueen and Ross, Commander Ross, Commodore Ross? Commodore Ross, yeah. Hang out, and these are the scenes where he's shirtless. Yeah, so here's the thing. Didn't it feel 
and I, and I there was a there was actually a moment where I thought they were going to reveal this that McQueen and Ross are actually lovers, or a because couple. I thought or a couple. I thought well, well, it's you know six half dozen, but I thought they were both in like their room, like they went back to their room and one's casually just playing guitar and the other chat. Like I thought it was a you know they're really serious at work and then they go back to their home and they can have the relationship they want. But that's not what the case. I think maybe they're I just, just yeah. I think the idea. But is it was maybe, weird, right? Didn't it look like they were very comfortable with each other yeah well i I definitely was just like i thought it could have been the case where maybe they were a couple or it's just like they're very comfortable together because commodore ross is you know a stuffed shirt he's supposed to be their commander but in these after hour scenes where mcqueen is advocating that they should keep the chig ship to do something with it not give to aerotech he's literally in an undershirt and shorts and he's got a guitar and he's playing some bluegrass commodore ross is just playing that guitar there's also that uh, pottery clay pottery making scene right where the two of them are making pottery together remember that romantic scene yeah and unchained melody plays yeah uh, how could i forget right it was weird for the show but it was worth it and let me let me mention one thing mcqueen seems very intense in this episode i wrote down a couple of his lines and i was like simmer down mcqueen like at one point they were like what do we do when we get to the get to the ship and what did he write he said um if in doubt kill it and then later he's like we have to do something. If we don't, it's mass suicide. So just calm down, McQueen. Like, he, you guys have got you guys have gone through some tight spaces before. Am I right? He has another line too, where he refers to the Chigs as like bloodthirsty souls or like bloodthirsty hearts or something. Yeah, he's. I don't know. He's really amped up in this episode, yeah. and it's kind of, I guess, because what he wants to do with this ship, because they've been losing the war so badly, and what he's pitching Commodore Ross is he wants to basically use as a Trojan horse and fly it back to the world it came from and kind of get the drop on them. And he refers to the idea of what he wants to do as uh, similar to Jimmy Doolittle in World War II after mm-hmm. Pearl Harbor. Did you look up who that was? I did, uh, which is something I had never heard about World War II. But I, he was some sort of Air Force commander who basically planned a raid where he took a bunch of bombers right sort of in the aftermath of Pearl Harbor when the States was really like kind of against the ropes and he flew these bombers over Japan, basically dropped a bunch of bombs on Japan, but there was no way back. So they flew the bombers toward mainland China and most of the planes had to be like scuttled. They couldn't get far enough. They didn't have enough gas. A few of them landed, but most of them crashed. And it was kind of not a kamikaze mission, but like a very risky mission that cost a lot. But in doing that, he really rallied the U.S. It, g- it gave them a huge morale boost, right? Which was like lacking after uh, after Pearl Harbor. Well, I guess what you're saying is this: this was the idea that they were going for. But I I don't know if it was entirely clear what they were what what the goal they were uh, trying to achieve was. Because I wasn't sure were they trying to get to the Chig home world and set off a nuclear bomb or was it to set up sort of resistance there or just to get behind enemy lines i wasn't quite clear and that might just be because i wasn't paying attention but so you think the the basic point was that they were just going to have some sort of attack without with the idea that maybe they're not going to come back yeah i think the idea is mcqueen doesn't expect him to come back that this will be a one-way trip but what they'll do is they'll at least like cause some damage to a main chig world and they never quite say it's the home world. There's some implications. I don't think it is. I don't think so either, because that's what I thought we we're going to go to. And we'll get to there in a few minutes. But 
I'm almost positive it's not the Chicken yeah. World. It's just a planet they've inhabited, taken over? Or? I guess so. It's just one of their planets. And I think the idea was what you would do is you'd get so far behind enemy lines, cause some major damage, and that would just rally the troops back right. home. Like this engineer or tech who is uh, given West the gears. And he also uh, keeps Kamikaze poem in his in his jacket. Like, what a sicko. Yeah. He's very thought, emo. Wasn't that really prescient? Like, that they knew Eminem was going to release an album called a Kamikaze, <laughs> and he'd constantly be quoting it? Yeah, that was that was interesting. Yeah, I mean that just happened this week, but Space Above Beyond knew all about it. Yeah, you're you're giving you're giving too much credit to them. <laughs> this whole episode, they really really push and really want the viewer to believe this is the worst mission. Uh, they're never going to come back. Everyone's very upset about it, and I don't know if they quite earned that feeling that they were trying to push because, as a normal viewer of television, it's hard to break that idea that you're actually going to see these characters die. And as much as they want to rev up this tension, I kept thinking, well, they're not going to die. Yeah. So, and I know that's maybe not fair, but they really, really tried to push it. And it's like almost every scene in this episode is like someone getting very upset because they're never going to come back or they're going to talk about how they're never going to come back or they're going to die. And what is it going to happen? It's like scene after scene after scene. I was like, guys, you'll come back. Yeah. You'll come back. Don't worry. I mean, that's what happens right now is McQueen now goes to talk the wild cards into a kamikaze mission. And like you said, there's some hemming and hawing from them, but like, you know, they're they're obviously going to go. And at this point, there's a lot of, well, there's a few scenes between Aerotech and let's just say the Marines. I don't know if it's the military, who they are, but, or the government, but was it clear to you who's actually in charge? Because I thought at this point, Aerotech essentially a company that has privatized the military. I thought it was very much like aliens, but it doesn't quite seem to be clear who's in charge because sometimes at one point Aerotech has the ship and they're like, it's classified. You guys can't get in here. Like we're in charge. But then later on, they're like, no, no, we're going to take the ship. And Aerotech's like, nothing we can do about it. And it was like, well, what is this balance of power? It's. I think it's more of a lobby group. Like Aerotech is has like the secretary general they have people placed very high who are in their pocket but technically they're still arm's length organizations so they're so commodore ross when he tells this aerotech guy okay we're gonna do mcqueen's plan he kicks him off the ship because he can this guy's gonna still run it up higher than him and probably come back but he doesn't have any authority so he can't stop that moment even though Probably Commodore Ross knows one of his bosses is going to be like, you shouldn't have done that. Right. But okay. technically, he legal, has no legal standing. That's my understanding. Um, but getting back to this kamikaze mission and the all the wild cards mm-hmm. going through their, their soul searching about whether they'll go on a kamikaze mission. Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote down a couple of things that were my favorite parts about them preparing for the kamikaze okay. mission. Yeah. One, uh, Vanson has a monologue about why she's going to do it. It doesn't really matter, but my favorite part in her story is when she says, autumn is the most romantic, sexy, and desperate season. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That was weird. And I was like, why Why is desperate in there? She's an odd character. And I, and I, think, I think she may be the least consistent of the characters. And I, I hate to say this, it feels a little bit like men that have trouble writing a, a female character. Because she's sort of sometimes she's really tough, and then times she's she needs to cry or whatever. And I'm not I'm obviously you could be a three dimensional person, but it just seems with her it it can vary from episode to episode what she's going to be like. Well, I think you mentioned this earlier. They've kind of 
lost track of what to do with her. They haven't really utilized her very well in several episodes. Mm-hmm. I think they just kind of don't quite know what to do with her now. I think it's that they went, we gave her an episode. We th- That's that's who she is. And now she's just one of the characters. But I don't know if we've... I mean, to be fair, we really don't know much more Wang. Apparently that he wears the same t-shirt and he, he sometimes online dates. That's about all we really learned of him. I mean, to be fair, he gets a little bit more in this episode. But... Yeah. The characters have have been developed, I think, as far as they're going to go. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I think there could be more, but I do think you're correct in that they kind of haven't figured out plot-wise or arc-wise what to do with her next. So she's mm-hmm. kind of been at a bit of a standstill. Whereas, you're right, I feel like Wong, they found a little—or Wang— God damn it. Every time we say Wong, we have to apologize to Jane because she was, she was irritated at that. Well, she was right to be irritated. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jane. Sorry, everyone listening. But yeah, Wang's kind of getting a little more of this episode. I feel like his character development is now almost on par with hers. Although, I I mean, I guess it's a small complaint. I'm still enjoying the show. But even Hawks, his big thing when he's going to go away is he doesn't want to go because he doesn't see why he should. Except when he says, when he thinks about what would happen if he didn't, he would be sad that the rest of his friends died. So he should go and die with... Like, he has the same arc every week where he's just like... I like you. That's weird, right? He's sort of uh, not not entirely, but he's sort of like the android in the group, right? Like he's Spock or he's Data or he's I don't know whatever. I guess that's true. He's, he's just learning to. He's learning that. So and it just kind of they. It's a little bit ham-fisted sometimes. I would argue Damp House has no reservations that come up, but they do introduce this. I don't know if this is gonna be a running thing. But she keeps opening and closing her mouth like a fish. Was this the first episode they, they did this? Oh, yeah, it was because Vancing gets irritated at her. She has this thing where she's got a... I, um, I wrote it down, what it, what her problem is. Do you remember what it was called? No, no, I don't. Apparently, battle stress has given her temporal mandubular joint disorder. And her doctor makes her like stretch her jaw a lot. So she's constantly opening and closing her mouth like a fish in every scene they might have just added it to add a sense of realism of the effects of you know being in the military and, and working in these uh these stressful conditions yeah, yeah exactly but it was an odd thing to drop and then but that's in the next episode too yeah she does the next episode yeah. but yeah that vanson's very annoyed by it uh, which i would be too if you're in, if you're in a little room and there's like six of you in a room and one person keeps going like meh, 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 their mouth i'd be like shut up well Benson gets so angry. She says she looks like Jerry Lewis. Oh yeah, that was a weird thing because that's not what Jerry Lewis does. I, that's not his bit. He does. He doesn't just move his mouth in a weird way. And I thought, it, what a weird, a weird reference. It felt like the first, like the first script. They're like, I don't know. We'll we'll put someone in. Just put Jerry Lewis for now, and then they never corrected it. What is this? Twenty sixty three. They're still real big into Jerry Lewis. Yeah, that's a reference you can drop. I don't think you can drop that reference Lady. in twenty eighteen. Yeah. I think it makes sense now. <laughs> Maybe uh, 1960s buddy comedies really uh, made a comeback 100 years later. <laughs> him and Dean Martin. Anyway, uh, Damp House really doesn't him and Hall over this mission at all. She just kind of, I guess, goes along with it. They don't devote any time to her. But they mention again that, I think, I think correct me if I'm wrong, they do mention again that she has, uh, a f- uh, if not a family, she has uh, someone who she's in a relationship with back at home, right? They were like, well, you have something to lose. Yeah, right. They talk about her boyfriend who has a daughter back home for her. And she mentioned her family before. Like, they at least establish she has things back home. Right. As opposed to Hawks. It's got nothing. 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 And then that leaves kind of our last character, West, who uh, 
pretty much comes on board this mission pretty easily. But his big thing is he reads a book about kamikaze pilots that I guess McQueen gave him. Yeah, he's he's always he's always giving people his depressing depressive literature. And his plan or his idea from these books is before they leave, they should do what the pilots did uh, when they were going on a kamikaze mission, which was clip their fingernails and put them in a box. So there's a something to bury. But it leads to two of the grossest <laughs> I close-ups I I've know. ever seen on a TV show. I know. it's it's They really get in there on the, on the cutting the nails and putting them into it. it a, I've never seen a scene of, of people cutting fingernails before on TV because it's as exciting as you would think it is. <laughs> there's a tight ECU on this box twice where you see filthy fingernails just cut up and put in a box. It reminded me, and this is a personal story, I had a roommate once uh-huh. who in our living room under our coffee table was just like, not a box kind of, but like a clipped, it looked kind of like a book, but some sort of container that was under our coffee table i never knew what it was so one time i picked up like what is going on here and i clicked it and i opened it and inside it was like nail cutting tools but also all of his fingernails were inside like i guess he would sit there when i wasn't there and clip his fingers so i unclipped it once and opened it and i almost vomited because it was full of fingernails that's gross gross. and then other people would come to our home and occasionally Someone would just be like, see it, and they curiosity would get the better, and they grab it. I'm like, don't open it. Don't do it. And they'd open it, and they'd be like, oh, God. But why didn't you just clean it out? I don't know. Why didn't I clean it well, out? Well, if I saw that, I probably would have like put it in the garbage. It wasn't my responsibility to clean out his fingernails. Well, what we've learned here is you and I are two very different roommates. See, I would have seen it and said, well, I guess it's going in the trash. And then the person later would have been like, where did where did that thing say? And I go, I threw it out. Because <laughs> that's what I do. I threw it out. Sorry. No. It was gross. It was gross. That yeah. is the true. Yeah. I just put it back and forgot about it. Right. Hmm. Do you think... <laughs> oh, I, 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 have, I have questions about nail clippings, but let's just... Uh, we can move let's, on. Let's just move on. It was so gross, though, and I had a flashback to my early 20s. Yeah. It was... Weirdly, it was surprisingly gross. I think that's what we... It was just surprisingly gross, these shots of the fingernails. Yeah. I mean, an interesting fact and a good idea to give them something to do, but I didn't need... You could have done it and not shown me gross fingernails. <laughs> yeah. Well. But we did it. And that brings us to, I guess, the last member of the four wild cards and what they're doing while they're debating whether they're going to go on this kamikaze mission. It's Wang. And he has the biggest conflict because he's just met a lady. That's right. And I think I have a feeling she's going to become a character on this show. Her name's Lieutenant Strode. Uh-huh. She's a bit of a bookworm. Yeah. That's about all we learn about her. Yeah. I mean, she well, she seems like a nice person. I don't know. <laughs> she seems fine. There's a couple of moments where they chat and they quite clearly are hitting it off. And then as they're about to leave on the mission, Wang's late getting there. And Vanson's like, where's your lucky stinky shirt? And he's like, turns out I don't need it to get lucky. Yeah. Because he, uh, he had sex with yeah. that lady. So he's excited. There should have been a scene later where she was wearing this shirt. Oh, it's so gross, though. No, no, she washed it. Oh, okay. She she would have cleaned it like I would have cleaned those nail clippings. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, I'll have you come over and deal yeah. with my problems. Yeah. Um, and as they're, you can tell they're, like, hitting it off because as they're leaving on this kamikaze mission, mm-hmm. she shows up and she has to, like, a, actually a wrapped 
gift like a birthday present yeah it's like it's a a little box with your classic like bow going up the sides with you know the tie at the top now here's the weird thing about this you never see what's in that box the present i'm pretty sure i know what it is do you do you know what you think i have a feeling it's going to come back later that's super bowl ring no i think it's just a baseball i think it's a signed baseball oh you're right actually i had that thought too when i saw it it's about the size it's about the size of a baseball They've rammed it down our throats that throats that he loves the Chicago Cubs and other Chicago related sports teams. My guess is later on in a few episodes, she'll be back with that present and and he'll be like, oh, it's it's signed by and then they'll have some baseball player that doesn't play anymore. It's like it's Luis Garcia or I don't know if that's a real player, but yeah. And he signed it in 2023 when he hit four home runs in a row or whatever stupid thing that will make up. But. Uh, I mean, I guess that's the point, because uh, we haven't got to yet. She shows up with this wrapped gift that we don't know what it is. Yeah. She tells him it's for him, but he can only have it when he comes back. The idea being, like, she doesn't want him to die and, that like, right. he's going to come back, which we all know he's coming back. <laughs> There's no tension. Yeah, so it better be a good present. But you're right. It's probably a baseball. It's a baseball. And, you know, it, it was a little bit before these scenes where I realized I checked the time and I went, oh, no this is going to be a two-parter because <laughs> I was like, there's no, they, they, they spent so much time. This was a real setup episode. Like as a standalone episode, it's pretty terrible because it's all set up. And obviously because the next episode is going to be the second part of it, but they spend so much time humming and hawing about the mission and very little actually happens. And I, and I was like, Oh no, they're never going to get to it. They're never going to get to it. I kept hoping that at the very end, there'd be something exciting happen, but no, no, the base, you know, possible baseball is about as exciting as you're going to get. That's not true. Something exciting happens. What happens? Well, uh, now they, they get on the ship for the kamikaze mission. McQueen yeah. says it's a good day to die. Yeah, I know. And he reads a poem to them and stuff. And it's like, all right. Wink, wink. It's yeah, a good day to I die. Know, yeah. <laughs> they take the ship behind enemy lines. They like, I guess the ships communicate with some sort of like musical tone codes because they like. Yeah, I like that. That was very um, uh, stealing off of uh, uh, what's that? What's that St- Spielberg movie? With Richard Dreyfus. Close oh, Encounters uh, of the Third Kind. Yeah, yeah. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It allows them to get past centuries and get kind of behind enemy lines toward this planet. Although, uh, as they get to the planet, I believe is or the system is called Cirrus, something like that. Mm-hmm. As they get to this Chig planet, which is maybe, maybe not the home world. I feel yeah. not the home world. I agree with you. Yeah, West s- West just fires, right? Doesn't well, he? He's a, he's a real jerk. No, uh, this satellite or century or something that's there. It, I guess it doesn't accept the code. I mean, they just say that they're like this thing isn't accepting our code. Well, that's what I thought. I felt. And now, you know, I'm not Team West, but they get through the first thing, they get the code and they give back the code back and it seems to work. And the second time they don't really know what to do. And but nothing's happening. And then West is like, we got to fire. And he just starts firing. But, but no one told him. To, no one told him to shoot. Did, I think I think it, there was other things they could have thought of to do. It did feel that way. He was just like he's like seemed to even get on an intercom and start shouting. Yeah, he does. Into space. No, I think I think what it is is. They've heard whatever it is, the the message, and so he's gone on, like, speaker system back to them and is like... He starts trash talking. Yeah, yeah, and just film. It's like, ugh, you're such an idiot. It was very... I was like, no, there's subtler ways to handle that. But essentially, they sort of now that they... Chigs know they're there. They fly through enemy fire, and they come down through the atmosphere, and they're flying over... Well, it looks like a huge city. Mm-hmm. Like it's like being on a plane at night. Like it's this huge lit up city. It's a massive spot of land. So they've clearly found some sort of 
Civilization. I, yeah, some sort of Chig major city. I, I thought it might be a military installation at first, but it's much bigger. Than no, that. no, I agree. It looks it looks like a major city. And they they load their rockets, they fire them down, and they miss somehow. Yeah. Like there's so it's like hitting the broadside of a barn, and yeah. they still managed to they miss. miss. Which was a weird. It was a weird choice for them to make. I mean, it's interesting because you don't think they're gonna miss, but why even have it? Like. It would have only done so much damage anyway, but you just have them, literally, they did all this thing, they get out there, they shoot, and they miss, and then, as we're going to get to, uh, they get attacked, right? Don't they? And they, well, they're, anyways, they're being attacked the whole yeah. time. So they have to get to, suddenly, they they, were, they realize that there's an escape pod, someone figures it out, they get into an escape pod, and that sends us to the end of the episode as they, they evacuate. Jettison. Yeah, because the ship's dying, it's been damaged too badly. I, the only thing I could think why they missed which is just super weird is i guess so we wouldn't i guess they're worried we'll we'll dislike the characters because they've attacked civilians but that was the whole point of the mission i just thought it was odd i i like that they didn't do what i thought they were going to do but i don't know what the point of it yeah i don't know what the payoff was either but yeah they get an escape pod they eject over this planet and we cut back to the saratoga Commodore Ross has basically given up on them for dead because they haven't heard anything and it was a one-way mission anyway. But as he's about to leave, Mr. Sewell comes back from Aerotech with orders from the Admiral. Oh, no, the Admiral, the, uh, what do you call it? I don't remember. I thought I wrote it down. Orders from somebody. Yeah, someone important. Someone important. And the orders are, oh, here it is, from the majority chiefs. And they're turning the Saratoga around, and they're flying after them into the Cirrus system. Which, okay, I get it. But also, why didn't they just wait 10 more minutes then? They could have just done this. Like, it just seems like it rendered the entire mission pointless to have this whole buildup. We got to do this thing. We have to do it now. They had to leave early for some reason. I can't remember why, before they were ready. They get there, and they do their thing, and they're like, oh, no, we can send the whole ship. We can go. We don't have to send them. Oh, wait, it's already done pointless am i am i not wrong i don't know it wasn't yeah i you're right there's a lot of weird happenstance like why do they have to leave early someone waved their hand about yeah our window is closing I'm like i'm like what window yeah they he, what's his face just came in and someone was like guys i know we're not ready to fly the ship but our window's closing so we got to go tomorrow and that's when they're all like let's cut our fingernails <laughs> but it's like but why why is the window closing i mean so that you could go to a black screen that said to be continued yeah that's why so and that's and that's where we're at we go to be continued and it's our first two-parter yeah first ever Mm two-parter crazy i'm surprised no other show has done a (laughs) two-parter all right you you ready for part two jordan yeah please we need some payoff episode nine choice or chance what's your name hmm You can call me Elroy L1327. I was designed as a humor model, a silicate to make you smile. Mm. Oh. Now I know you're allowed to tell me your name, and I just hate people who are impolite. Wang Paul, First Lieutenant, number 94830348288. Well, it's nice to meet you, Wang Paul, 948-3430928. I'd like to welcome you to our little penal work facility. 
<laughs> Trapped on a hostile planet and captured by silicates, Vanson and Dampus are given a choice to make while Wang is tortured and West finds someone unexpected. Meanwhile, McQueen and Hawks must find a way to free their comrades alone. That IMDb summary was courtesy of Gito463 again. I'm going to say right off the bat, this was a far better episode and I think showcased what the writers of this show can do a lot better, which is this episode, maybe more than any episode I've seen so far, does a good job at giving all of the characters something to do. Now, they may not all have huge stakes and they may not all be super relevant to the plot, but every all the major characters have something to do, even if they're with someone else. And I feel like we haven't had a lot of that in the episodes where it's a West episode or it's a Hawks episode. This one, it's a team and they've all got something to do. And I, I really like that. Oh, that's a good point. You really do make a good point. So let's get into it. We start off on the aftermath of the escape pod crash, which was actually, I, I like the escape pod crash. It was like I too. appropriately epic because they clearly did uh, physical explosions on the ground mm. as and then CG'd in the ship coming down. But yeah, like, I, th- I thought it looked pretty good. They do a good job making it look like it crashes once and then skips mm-hmm. and then crashes again. Though I have to say, how no one died in that crash, I have no idea. <laughs> well, I mean, what they should have just done is had a couple more red shirts in there and had them go, right? It was a pretty brutal crash. Like another, what was that guy's name? Funk? What was that one guy's name? Remember the, <laughs> that chubby guy? What happened to Pissack? Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They could have put one of them in there. Like, oh no, he smashed his face. <laughs> yeah. But the crash is bad enough that only two people are conscious as the uh, ship comes to, a, a, I guess, a landing. It's McQueen and Hawks. They come outside because someone's coming to get the ship. And I was so confused. I mean, it gives it away in the summer here, but it looked like humans were coming over a ridge at the ship. And I'm like, are chicks humans? I know. I I actually wrote, I go, my note was, here comes the chicks. Oh no, it's silicates? What is happening? Because I just didn't understand. I didn't understand it was silicates for so long. I was just like, is this the reveal? Chicks are humans? I got so confused. Well, it was weird. Well, maybe we should talk about this right now. They don't ever explicitly say how and why they're working together. They've kind of mentioned it before, right? They mentioned that they were trading, they were trading ore or whatever they it was. They wanted to work together, but now they actually have an alliance. The, yeah, the way it looks, silicates and chigs. Yeah, the way it looks right now is chigs are taking over planets, and for whatever reason, they they need someone to be like bureaucrats, so they got the silicates to do it. Here's my major issue with that. If they're so anti-human, which which becomes more and more clear in this, and we can talk more about that, the silicates look just like humans. They act just like humans. They communicate just like humans. So it, it feels weird to me that they'd be splitting hairs there, that they go, oh, yeah, we'll deal with the silicates, but we won't deal with the humans. I, I feel like there is a reason, and that reason is solely based on, and we'll get into this, humans stink. Yeah. They literally smell to chicks. I think that is the problem. If humans didn't smell, no war. Oh, you think that's the thing? You 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 think silicates don't smell? Yeah, they're just inorganic, so they're inoffensive. I, maybe chicks just communicate via like olfactory or something. Hmm. I think it's a stretch, but it's an interesting theory because that seems to be a big part of this episode. That when they chicks are talking about, because basically what happens is. These silicates come down on the escape pod. 
McQueen and Hawks have to retreat. There's no way to stop them. There's there's an army of silicates coming down. And the rest of the wild cards are basically captured and hauled off to, I've got it written down here, the Kazbek Penal Colony. Yeah. You mentioned this about in, in the episode eight, that when you first see from the planet, it looks like a very, very highly populated planet. But when they land, they're sort of in the dusty kind of mountain range that they've sort of been in before and okay so there's a big penal colony so we do get some indoors stuff but where they land doesn't seem anywhere near a city nor is there any indication there is any cities around well and that's the thing too is the silicates say in this chigs can't survive in like a atmosphere that a human can survive in that's why they melt so why was there a whole city on the planet do they cr- crash land on a different planet somehow yeah i i know i was like i guess they could have i mean look if west was flying the ship they probably just went to the wrong planet and were just attacking some other species that we haven't seen before just this innocent people that have a lovely society and they're just just attacking them so it is good that he he, they missed the shot but yes it it doesn't quite add up because it's like you would think it would be an all terraform then right the planet would be whatever a high level of uh, you know something in the in the air so that they could breathe properly and they'd have to wear their masks and everything but that's yeah. not not what we get whatever happened last episode really makes no sense to this episode other than that it crashed them on this planet because there are no chigs outside of uniform here because they would die yeah anyway i'm gonna sort of follow gto 463's lead here in the way he broke down the characters and his in his summary and i'm gonna follow his same example so we're gonna start with vanson and dumpus and let me just cut in for one quick thing, because I mentioned this several episodes ago. The person that wrote this episode is Doc Johnson. Oh. And this is the only episode that this person wrote and the only credit this person ever has, which, you know, our working theory is that this is a pseudonym for someone, but this is it. So this is the one bit of television this person officially ever wrote. Interesting. And an episode you like. I do really like it. Yeah. So that's weird. You'd think it would be because it was a bad episode. When I, when I saw it was episode nine, I thought, oh, this is going to be terrible. And I, I quite like this episode. It's very strange. Dampus and Vansian are locked in, I guess, a force field cell. Like it's it's a cell that has no walls, but I guess there's a force field around it so there's, they can't get out. Yeah, there's some sort of thing that I'm going to assume it has to do with human bio, human uh, biology. They can't pass it, but silicates go, can go through the through the lasers or whatever it is. Right, right. I think they even turn it off. I think the silicates have to turn it off. Maybe you're right. I'm not sure. Anyway, they are given the particular choice or chance. I know. I I, I'll keep hoping that they're they're gonna drop this, but that's that's what these that's what the silicates do. They're they always talk in this stupid way. And essentially, the silicates are like, you guys must choose, but one of you is gonna die, and one of you is gonna work in the mines. Yeah. So we're gonna leave that up to you. And we're going to come back and see what you decide. Yeah, so that's those two characters at their plot line. Yeah. But one thing they notice as they're debating this offer is that there seems to be a chig standing in the corner of the room. Oh, I forgot. That was really funny. So there's a chig there, which again, I don't know how he's existing. Um, but more more importantly... He's in his suit. He's in his suit, but he's he's <laughs> uh, he's kind of just like in the shadows, like watching like kind of a weird voyeur. Yeah, he's, he's a just, real he, perv. He's just like, well, what are those two ladies doing there? You think think maybe they'll start kissing maybe they'll make a choice or a chance yeah (laughs) also choice or chance that's the same thing yeah yeah you're you're right 
because they see this chick in the side of the room, they're able to extrapolate that this choice or chance is an experiment to see what they'll do. Yeah, which I don't know. Like, who cares? Why what? do you Why do you need to have an experiment on humans? You already know what humans are like. It's not much of an experiment. It's It's, it's like Jigsaw is doing an experiment. Right, right. <laughs> but they decide the best thing to do in this situation is put on a little play. Yeah. So they stage some theater where Damphouse pretends to betray Vanson and says she should die and Damphouse should live. So the silicates come back to the cell, and when they come in. Vanson is so upset by this betrayal that Damphouse and her get in a, in a little fake stage fight, which they use to basically get the upper hand and beat the silicates and kill the chig in the room. Here's my question, though, because they get into a physical fight and they're obviously faking it. <laughs> were they really hitting each other or were they fake hitting each other? Because if they're fake hitting each other, you would assume everyone would know. I mean, it looked like they were faking each other. Well, I know, because it's just bad choreography, but I know. But like, I know. I think that was part of the plan. It wasn't because it was bad choreography. Oh, I don't think so. It was good choreography oh, I for don't a know. fake fight. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, I don't know if that's true, though. Anyway, they it's a classic trope where you pretend you've betrayed each other, get in a fight to lull the enemy into a false sense of security, and then you get the upper hand on and them. And what does the chick do? He's like, I'm out of here. No, they, they somehow kill him too. Did they kill him? Like, I think one of the silicates had a gun, and so they managed to, like, shoot the chick as well. I don't know. It was very confusing, but they, like, they win. Their their plan works. Yeah. And uh, they're so proud of their excellent acting that I believe the scene ends on. Vanson turns to Dampass and says, Yo, Brando, babe. And Damphouse says, you're De Niro, girl. Yeah. Because there are no good female actors. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, there's, there's no female uh, actors. And not only that, but their references only go back to the 1970s. 1920s. What about Sarandon? One of the best. Yeah. You like Sarandon? She's the best. She's a treasure. Catherine Hepburn. She's pretty good. Absolutely. We're going older. What about... Um, Meryl Streep. Streep? Exactly. Yeah. Much better actor than De Niro. He, she wasn't in Meet the Parents. Oh <laughs> well, I don't know if she's a better actor, but I think yes, you're right. Uh, she, she wasn't in Meet the Parents. You're, you're correct about that. Both Brando and De Niro, late career, awful actors. Well, I, I, I really wish this podcast just became us telling Brando stories because I could do that forever because there's a lot of hilarious ones. But anyways, I digress. Just, just go watch that documentary about. Uh, Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Please do. That's a great example of Brando being an awful actor. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, that, that's not why you called. It's not why you called this podcast that's mm-hmm. on your phone? Yep. Makes sense. Um, anyway, that ends their kind of storyline. They kind of escape from their cell at this point. And now we'll go up to the next. The next up, Wang. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wang Wang and uh, uh, Doug Hutchinson. Who's this guy? Huh? I don't know who Doug Hutchinson is. You know who Doug Hutchinson is. Doug Hutchinson is an actor who only plays creepy people. And so he played... Um, in this, In this, he's playing... We see Wang. He's strapped Spread Eagle to a chair because he's going to be tortured. It's a very James Bond-esque sort of thing. By this silicate named Elroy L1327, mm-hmm. a former humor model, now turned torture specialist. Yeah, and he, he said, he goes... He was a silica to make you smile. That's what he said. So he was like a pleasure robot or something. Well, he's a humor. He's a, he is a yeah. stand-up comedian. He's the Jerry Lewis of the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but Doug Hutchinson has a few interesting things. One, he remember in the X-Files episode where the, the guy stretched his... Coombs, I think. He stretched his fingers and he liked to eat livers. No, 
I, I don't remember. But Anyways, I'll that's, believe that's you. Doug Hutchinson. Also was in uh, The Green Mile. Remember The Green Mile? He's the creepy guy in that. But most famously now, sadly, is he's the one who, you know, he's in his 50s, who married that young girl who was like only 17. Oh, he's the guy in Lost who married that 17-year-old. Yes, yes. That's who he is, yeah. They're not married anymore. I think she I, wised up. I Yeah, I think for some reason that relationship didn't, didn't work, work out. <laughs> weird. Yeah. What's Doug Hutchinson up now? Just like crying in a room somewhere? I think he's probably just playing weird, creepy parts. Now, I have to say, he's excellent at them because he has a creepy-looking face and he's good at creepy parts. And I... And I, he's a creep in real life. Yeah, he's a creep in real life. But I loved his character for a couple of reasons. One, he's creepy looking and he's and he's just like he's a sadistic torturer. Um, and, you know, as much as basic cable, you know, torture can be. But what I love and I hope you thought about this is almost all the silicates you get to see under their skin. You see like little lights and stuff flashing. I loved it. I was so excited because the implication being the silicates can't fix themselves. So every now and then, you know, you, you bump your head or whatever, and then you expose for whatever reason, there's lights and stuff under their skin. But he looks like a real mess. Like he's got like, it's almost the equivalent of like acne all over his forehead, but it's just like lights and whistles and stuff all over. I loved it. I thought it was so great. I made a note. This is Jordan's favorite character. He loves it when a robot's circuits are exposed. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And all of them have, they all look a little bit worse for wear, which was a question I had later on, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, they, they all look like, Clearly, the silicates aren't able to fix themselves. Certainly not on this planet. They have no way of repairing themselves. Not on this planet. Well, I mean, you'd assume with the size of the planet we saw earlier, with the amount of buildings and stuff, you'd assume there'd be one skin-fixing <laughs> building. <laughs> some place with some plastic. Yeah, exactly. But apparently not. Not just, out in the penal colonies. Just some shrink wrap and a hairdryer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is great, this scene, because we get to learn a little bit about the... Uh, chigs from our chucklebot yeah. friend i know you wrote down what i wrote down what what the chigs call humans yeah as mentioned we learned for the first time one of the things chigs hate about humans is their blood stinks humans blood stinks to a chig yeah so like humans have a slur for chigs which is chigs because we have no idea what their species is called chigs have a slur for humans what is it jordan Red stink creatures. <laughs> did so, you love it? I, I loved was, it. I did. I like that he's also uh, the silicate chucklebot is just like, it's a little more eloquent in their language. But, uh, you know, red but, stink creature. But, but here's what we've also learned. So they're trading with them. The silicates and the chigs are trading together. They're speaking their language. Yeah, they're 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 like working together and they're speaking language. I was like, guys, humans, you're so behind. Like there must be, there must be able to have any diplomatic talks if if the the silicates have gotten this far. Well, I mean that Secretary General is right. They should be talking. Yeah, I agree. You can. It's not that hard. Oh, but they and he mentions though that um they are actually working for the Chigs and they get to keep the raw fuels of the planet as payment. That's why their silicates are doing. Yeah, it. that's what the reason is. Is it's uh, being pulled up whatever they're mining there. The silicates get to hang on to. This Chucklebot is there to torture Wang, and at first I wasn't sure what he... I thought he was going to get information out of him, but it turns out what he's doing is he's breaking Wang mm-hmm. uh, in order for Wang to record kind of a classic video where he gets on there and basically admits to killing civilians and that he's a war crimes that war he's criminal. committing. Yeah, oh, sorry. He's a war criminal. Thank you. Uh, and that's sort of the purpose of this, I guess, is to propaganda... I think part of it is, yes, that's what he was doing, but he clearly is, you know, a bit of a sadist who enjoyed the torture. Now, we never really see the torture. It's much more, um, remember when Jordy got tortured 
in in Star Trek. Right. It's much more that and much less Marathon Man, but that's kind of the feeling you get is that right. you know, uh, he takes off the Chucklebot takes off his finger and he's got like a I don't know a zapper. I love that. Yeah, he takes off. So the implication he's like poking him with that little finger. <laughs> poke, poke, <laughs> poke, poke, poke. Ah, no, that's sensitive. Poke, poke, poke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess here's my question: Do chicks have war crimes, or is this something the silicates are like? Hey, we should do this because how would they know? No, I think they're implying that attacking the chigs are. Is, is the warm crime. No, no, but do Chiggs have the concept of war crimes, or is this all the silicates idea? I think he's just a troublemaker. This, you know? this Chucklebot? Yeah. He's a, is, he, is it actually a Chucklebot? No, they, they call him a humor model, but I just call him oh, a Chucklebot. Oh, because Chucklebot is great. Let's, yeah. co- let's copyright that. Chucklebot. Chucklebot. TM, TM. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's essentially Wang's story this episode. So I'm going to move on now. So, but what's been up with West? So West is in <laughs> West is in a little uh, cell all by himself, and what you find out really quick is there's a little hole in between the two, uh, <laughs> in between the two cells, and it's clearly like a glory hole. <laughs> oh, come on! Because it's just like, why is that there? And then it's like, I wanted them to be a last line where West was like, "What's this hole for?" And they're like, uh, "Never mind." Come on, come on! We, we get out that. of the gutter. We can cut that. <laughs> anyways it's uh, It's great as you were it's great jordan everyone's gonna love to hear this new glory hole theory of yours well if you want to talk about the poop as monetary payment i'd love to no one's emailed no one's emailed me about it (laughs) but you're right there's a hole between his cell and this is there because in this same prison colony is his long lost girlfriend yeah she shows up and i and i was like oh no if this is actually her it's just the end of everything because he's just gonna go on and on and i love you it's like ugh, enough it's true he does true yeah he sees his girlfriend they start talking to this hole in the cells his girlfriend reveals that her and her cellmate have been working on a plan to prison break basically for six months and they're executing it that day. Yeah, and and I, if I was West, the first thing I would have said, this seems a little convenient. Six months and today, the day I arrive, you're going to escape. But it, it smells a little fishy. But instead, he goes, <laughs> <laughs> It's true. He does. <laughs> but yeah, they break out. They break West out. This cellmate she's been planning to break out with gets killed in the process. And the two of them kind of run off and escape. And of course, the first thing Wes said is like, oh, we should go back at my friends. Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend's like, uh, let's not. Yeah, she's like, uh, there's no time. We already have this planned out. We should just do it. But she does say a funnier line where I think they kiss. And she says to him, and, and she looks like really weird or something. You know, she looks uncomfortable. And he's like, what's wrong? And then she goes, I never thought I'd feel your breath on my face again. And I thought, that, his breath? I guess he's just a real mouth breather. That was really weird. That That's what she she was reminiscent of, his breath all over her face? Well, like when she's sleeping, <sighs> you just snored onto her. Yeah, face. exactly. <laughs> During after that kiss happens, she looks. She immediately covers her nose. I just did it myself and covered the mic. <laughs> she covers her nose with her hand and looks down. And West has cut himself in the escape. Very suspicious because yeah. his blood stinks, and she's a goddamn chick. <laughs> You know what's funny? I for, I actually forgot about that scene. Oh, yeah, because I remember he was cut and she was all weird about it. But she did, did she, oh, she covered her face? She covered her nose. Oh, yeah. And I think they give away that a little too early that, uh, like, she's clearly 
a well, fake girlfriend. Yeah, they give it well. They right away, like almost the second scene with her, you get a sense something's not right. Right, but I mean, she does. It's because like you, we know immediately she's a fake chick. But yeah. I guess maybe that goes to your point that like I miss the breath in your face. Chicks don't know how humans work. Oh, oh you know, that, I never thought of that. I I kind of like that then. If so that, if like, that's what they were. So going she's for. like, what? What's romantic? Uh, your breath on my face. And because uh, West is stupid, he she's doesn't like, catch she's it. She's like, I love the time we cohabited together. Chick's like, West's like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that too. Yeah, he's such an idiot. <laughs> anyway, she just keeps asking him very suspicious questions about their attack on this world. Yeah. And West slowly starts cluing in and accidentally actually helps the episode because she asks, like, what's the plan now? Who? How are they going to mm-hmm. come rescue you? And he makes up a, something that the uh, Saratoga is going to hide around his son. Yeah. He doesn't know this, but, the, you know, the Saratoga is actually on its way there. And because he makes up this lie, as soon as he says, oh, they're hiding behind the sun or something, the Sarat- it cuts back to the Saratoga. And they're like, all their planes are leaving and they're flying off to that sun. We've got a window. So it's kind of this uh, opportunity that he inadvertently gives us and really like telegraphs home that like this fake girlfriend is really sending information back. Yeah. I don't even know how. How is she no. sending that information? Yeah, it's one of those like it, it doesn't really matter. Just wave your hands over. But yeah, somehow she's communicating because she's with him the whole time. So unless she can do it telepathically. Yeah. But whatever. And basically West figures it out. You're not my girlfriend after many, many clues have been given. And he kind of runs off back to the prison and leaves her behind. And that kind of like wraps up his little journey through this episode. And he's grown as a person because he'll leave. It's like he didn't really because he would only really grown if he left her the real person. Yeah. But it's like he knows it's not real. So what does it matter? Yeah. He he doesn't really grow. He just, I guess, finally clues in. And finally, we get to the adventures of McQueen and Hawks. Yeah. They, They actually probably have the least to do in this episode. But again, I like that they kind of partnered everyone up. Well, except for uh was his face whole wang but uh but i i do like that they each got their own plot line and there's his they're in a coffin in the desert or wherever they're wang was partnered with chucklebot oh yeah chucklebot yeah yeah <laughs> i love do, that do you something. like getting poked <laughs> with his little finger <laughs> <laughs> well that'd be great if that's like a involuntary thing he has to always keep doing his giggling <laughs> um old yeah. chucklebot Hawks and West are basically on the run on the planet. They they end up killing a few silicates. They actually get my favorite kill of the episode. Did you? Uh, I, I'm going to describe it as best I can. But they've gotten a gun, and they're sneaking up on this silicate who's like seems to be chugging a bottle of motor oil. Yeah. And they fire at him, and basically they like knock him off his feet so hard he practically like flips over. <laughs> like it's such a hard shot. <laughs> there's a, there's a couple of weird ones. He also like. He lures them in by like taking his clothes off and burying them partially under the sand. And I remember they're like, there's a human there and they just start shooting. Oh, yeah. But I was like, why would he have been under the sand like that? Like, he's no, it's, it's clearly like he's hiding. He's got like one foot out. Like, it's clearly just clothing under the sand. It was there's a few like almost on the line, like a little too zany sort of a zany kill. Absolutely. Uh, but they use these dead silicates to basically they like open their brains up and send a Morse code message to Saratoga to let them know where they are. And at one point, because they're going to go back to the prison and break them out, I think it's McQueen, just tears a silicate's arm clean off. And he, and what I like about this, for a few scenes, he just has the arm with him. Yeah. Like, the later on, he's just, at one part, he just tosses it aside. But, like, there's a couple scenes where he's just walking him and, him and Hawks. He's just got an arm. 
He's just well, holding I, it. I guess like, a, we, like he's like a troll or something. I guess what we learn is they use their hands to unlock things, so you just need to like tear an arm off. Yeah, well, that worked. It was very badass. I loved when he tore it off. Yeah, you really got the sense that he was on this mission. And he really, he's been really jonesing for some action for a while because he's like he goes all Rambo. I mean, most of the episode, they kind of McQueen and Hawks kind of get to like develop their relationship. That you know, they're both tanks. I guess he's kind of becoming a bit of a. Not quite a father figure, but kind of an uncle figure or something to Hawks. They kind of talk about like their feelings and why McQueen likes humans. He's trying to prove a point that I guess the tanks aren't lazy or something. But you kind of they go on their little adventure. They break finally into the prison camp where maybe you can explain this to me. They walk through a door and it's this huge like cavern going cavernous pit going down it's flashing and there's like maybe mining going on mm-hmm. is that just supposed to be the raw material like they seem shocked by it well they said earlier that they're mining res- whatever the resource was so that's what i assumed it was some sort of mining yeah mining facility i don't know but yeah they were like oh it's like oh it's just they mining s- they seemed way too shocked for a, like it felt like a reveal that i didn't understand i think maybe they were just shocked at how um industrious they were these lazy chicks yeah tanks shouldn't put that yeah, on anyone else them, yeah. <laughs> anyway hawks goes and saves wang from the Chucklebot. so now they've got wang back they bump into vanson and dampus after getting out of their cell they they, they all time their escapes very, well, very they all, well they all meet each other in the hallway and when they meet each other in the hallway uh vanson lets them know that uh west has run off again they need to go find him what is the fourth time he's yeah run at off? least at least yeah <laughs> Uh, and as they get outside of the camp, the cavalry sort of arriving from the Saratoga. The silicates are coming up, so they're kind of getting in a firefight with the silicates. Wang is totally shell-shocked from being tortured. So yeah. at some point, he just stands up in the battle. And uh, at this point, West reappears and basically saves his life. Yeah. And kind of lectures him. I'm like, the guy's shell-shocked. Leave him alone. Yeah. West, don't yell at him. And out of sort of the woods... West's girlfriend reappears and starts calling out to Vance and the other. She's like, come this way. It's safe. Vanson, over here. At which point, West is like, I never told you their names. And he shoots her. And he shoots his girlfriend dead. And then we get a great scene. of uh, She morphs into a gross chig yeah. who is also melting. This does raise some questions. One, did chigs just look like humans? Two, what technology is it that makes them... So, so the whole point, she was a chig. So did, are chigs able to... Are they shapeshifters? Are they shapeshifters? Or even worse, are they able to... Because what I actually thought at first, because I wrote a whole bunch of questions about what I thought it was, was she was actually a silicate and they had made a robot that looked just like... Yes, that would make the most sense. That make more sense. But, but then I was like, how would they have done that? Because they clearly don't have enough skin to fix their little weird cybernetic foreheads and stuff. But then it's like, no, no, she's a, she's a chig. And it's like, yeah. so are chigs going to be able to make... Because this is becoming very Cylon-esque. Like, are they going to be able to do a bunch of people undercover? Are we going to find out that other people are chigs? But oh. Maybe? Or is it just like a convenient, oh, well, we just need her to go away, so she's going to ooze away? Like, I, I wasn't sure where we were going to land on that. That's interesting. Maybe they will go that way. But yeah, I mean, that establishes the idea that they can replicate someone very accurately. Mm-hmm. And they're able to survive outside of their suits while they're in that human form. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, but as soon as she shot, and again, we don't get a clear shot of a chick face. Like, it's already melted by the time we look at it. So, yeah, are they just gooey well, shapeshifters? But here's the thing. 
they never knew they were coming to the planet. It was a surprise, right? The 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 uh, the crazy hearts. What are they called? Wild cards. The wild cards. Crazy hearts. <laughs> Whatever they are. They, they they didn't know they were coming to the planet, so they crash on the planet. It was like everything was set up for them, though. So his girlfriend was already there. So my point being, did they just have her like ready in the background? Like, you know, at some point we're gonna see West. It's gonna be great. You just pretend to be the girlfriend. Like, do you know what I mean? Or was it? West crashed and somehow they have some knowledge and they go, oh, like, like there was my point being, there's no way they would have known about his past history. Well, they, I guess they have his girlfriend prisoner. I think that, oh, you know what? You're right. I forgot they have his girl. So maybe they've just replicated everyone that they have as prisoners. Well, I guess maybe the big question is in the time it took him to crash, they did not know West was coming and the silicates brought him back. Are they able to send the information that we've captured this lieutenant, check your database, oh, we know he has a significant other, quickly my chig friend somehow become his girlfriend? Mm-hmm. Or have they duplicated everyone they've caught and they've just got him on hand? Like there's a bunch of chigs who are just like in prisoner costumes. I can only assume that we're going to find out more. And I, I have the feeling that it probably won't in- it won't jive a hundred percent with what we've seen before. I think there'll be a little bit inconsistencies, but I think that we're going to learn more about the chicks that yes, they're either able to shapeshift or something um, in the future, but there's a couple of holes here in, in how this happened. I hope you're right that though. I hope there is a Battlestar Galactica. Like one of the people have always been a chick. That'd be great. And, and it'll just be a guy that they'll do an episode where they'll, they'll have seen there's this guy in the background the whole time. And he just, from his perspective as a chick, that'd be good. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. I'd be all over that. Yeah, me too. Anyway, uh, this sort of ends the episode. They're saved by the cavalry. They go back up to the Saratoga. Uh, Wang's new girlfriend tries to give him his present because he's back, but he's like so PTSD, he kind of runs away from her. Yeah, I, I like that though. There wasn't, they didn't have the moment you thought they were going to be like, oh, they're reunited. Then he, yeah, he opens it. He goes, it's the baseball from Johnny, yeah. Johnny Tutu, my favorite baseball player. Instead, he just like, I'm out of here. They're at least going to come back and try to, uh, address that he's been tortured for many hours and it's it's affected him in some way right and because as we recall from last episode sewell was back and basically wanted the saratoga to go to uh cirrus he obviously must have had you know dubious reasons for Mm -hmm. it and it's kind of revealed when i guess he had a spy or an agent in the cavalry who went to get them up pick up the wild cards on the planet he goes into a room and uh, a soldier comes in and hands him a briefcase and uh, the mystery briefcase pops open and uh, whatever's in Pulp Fiction's briefcase is also in <laughs> yeah, that that's briefcase. Right. Yeah, they, saw that, just, they thought, saw that and went, that's great. We could do the same thing and don't have to explain anything. Yeah, it's just a glow, like it's glowing out of the briefcase. We never see what's inside, but Sewell's like, yeah, I got it, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. So and clearly there's more mystery built. That part is maybe my least favorite part of the show or the part i'm least interested in is the the whole mystery of aerotech and what i'm i don't really care they're doing a bad job teasing it out yeah maybe that's what it is because like, who what's cares the reveal gonna be that they're corrupt that they're working with that's the what chigs? i mean it's like they're, they're gonna like it's gonna be one thing of like they've been working with the chigs the whole time or they've been working with the silicates i'm like okay who cares sure. they're just bad guy like they're just like oh they're another bad guy right i don't know yeah you're right it's not really it hasn't been building very to a very interesting place like they're just a greedy corporation yeah so's all corporations right 
Yeah. So, and that, but that's the end of this episode, end of the two parter. Yeah. So, you want any final thoughts and you want to give a rating? My only thought would be as a whole, I thought it was it was good from like if you put the two episodes together as two separate parts, they were very uneven. Could have edited it into one. Oh my god, I think it could have been one. I thought I think it could have been one amazing episode, but we got not you know we didn't get that. Fair enough. I would say the first episode. I'll give you. I I didn't really enjoy it very much because I just thought it was so much setup, and as it went further and further, I realized that's all it was going to be. I give it a six. Six. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It didn't... It was the first act. Yes, that's the, what I mean. It wasn't a full episode. So I was like, oh, well... I mean, giving a six, I think, is is generous. Not because it was bad, just because it wasn't a full episode of TV. It was just a setup. Yeah, it was the first act. I mean, we do get to learn a little bit of how silicate... Or not silicate, chig ships work. But even that, I was a little left down. I was like, I thought we'd there'd be more, more right? time in there. Yeah. Or there'd be a cool... There's a little training montage, but it's very minor. I don't know. I also... I was a little... I'm going to give it a five, I think. I like that I liked it less than you, but I still gave a higher score. I don't know if I liked it that much. I, it was it, it wasn't a lot, right? And then uh, choice or chance. I I actually really liked this episode for I think I've mentioned all the characters had something to do. There was a lot of action. There was a lot of just stuff happening. We actually learned stuff about things. I, I give it an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Yeah, it's very funny when you start talking about how much you like this episode. I felt very indifferent to both episodes. Really? They did very little for me. I after talking with you, I'm a li- I I I'm probably I probably would have given these episodes the exact same rating before because mm. I just felt as invested in both of them. Right. But I think because we've talked and I think you're right about a lot of your points and uh because I like Chucklebot so much, he was great. I'm going to go up to a 6. Wow. So that's that's where I'm laying. I these two we're, we're like we're like two sprinters running and i've made you faster because we're running together just the wake your yeah, wake has exactly. pulled me forward yeah. uh, i mean i don't know well i mean Maybe overall hard, overall but. it was it was like i mean eight uh, to be honest eight's probably a little high but i just i think i was so bored of the first episode that i was like yes yes the second episode overall it's probably like a six seven you know overall for the two episodes together but whatever fair enough i mean it averages it out yeah. that way yeah but yeah, that about wraps it up for these. Here's one thing that we forgot last mm. week, Jordan, because uh, it's been so long since we fired oh. up the old escape pod. Yeah, where are we at? Escape pod uh, trademark. <laughs> trademark. Trademark. Escape pod. Uh, uh, trademark. Ch- Chucklebot. Chucklebot. Yeah. Get those all trademarked. Uh, we, it doesn't really matter. We've been rating these high enough that I don't think we're anywhere near. I don't think so. I bet. Need. I bet we're at. I bet we're at like a six something. Six six point eight is my guess. Six point eight. Interesting. Let's see. For those who don't remember, we can abandon a series after four podcasts. Should the entire series average between Jordan and I fall between fall below five? Yeah. Um. I think we're pretty safe right now. But let's see what this is average you at. Right now, Space Movie Beyond, according to the Continuum Drag computer, is averaging out at 6.64. Yeah. So still still well within safe uh, oh, yeah. safe yeah. podcasting range. You know what? And that's not high, obviously, as a TV show rating. But for the shows we've watched, that's pretty high. Like Beyond I, Westworld was scoring like what? Negative six or something? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it was pretty low. I, You know what I'm going to say about this this series average right now? I'm surprised it's as low as it is. I like this show and I am enjoying it, 
but there are a lot of individual episodes that just don't live I, up to I the agree. promise. I agree. There, there's something there. They're not. It's like watching uh, potential that just keeps missing the mark. It just keeps missing. Almost, almost invariably, like there's something good, and it just it doesn't quite doesn't quite work. It feels like every four-ish episodes. They really nail it. They like they're like this yeah. is the promise of the show realized, and then they f- fall over the next episode. Like they do a Fear Planet one where they just yeah, like that was fall terrible. on their face, and I'm like, what happened, you yeah. guys? You almost have it. You know what they need to do is have more of this. Uh, Doc Johnson write some more episodes. Yeah, he, he didn't I mean, write the other one though. Isn't that weird? They had one person write the setup and then one person write the conclusion. It's very weird. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Everything in the second episode that Doc Johnson did was great. Yeah. Or at least much better. Like, he invented Chucklebot. I'm going to love him for that forever. Yeah. Uh, I'm, and I pray, I pray Chucklebot comes back. Oh, he's he's definitely coming back. They always bring the silicates yeah. back. And he was one of the best silicates they've introduced. Oh, I think he's the best one so far. Who's better? The woman? The woman with her 1980s, like, all po- this, po- all poison this, music video hair? All the silicates have huge hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah. All right, I guess that about wraps it up. If you want to get a hold of us and ask us any uh, questions or follow up on anything we've talked about, you can get a hold of us at continuandrag at gmail.com. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, where we're always posting cool images and GIFs and things from these episodes, and you can engage with us there, too. Yeah, and you don't actually have to watch the episodes. You could just watch... Uh, the best parts. A 10-second f- clip, and that's all you need. Yeah, absolutely. And you can find us at Continuum Drag on both those social media platforms. So until next time, good podcasting with you, Jordan. Yeah, let's get cheeky with it. Let's get cheeky with it. All right. Bye. Bye. Continuum Drag is recorded at Astrolab Studios in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Seedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, and Dwayne Wright. <laughs>